We've talked about waking up and dressing up. We talked about looking up. We talked a little bit about standing up. We've talked about speak up. And speak up has two parts to it. How many of you know sometimes you got to hush up? And then it's important to speak up when it's time to speak up. I can remember the nuns, you know, when I grew up in that little Catholic school there in South Minneapolis. And they'd call my name to say something. And I'd kind of mumble. And they'd say, Mr. Thomas, speak up. Well, I believe the head of the church wants us to activate our faith by speaking up. By hooking our tongue up with our speaker and speaking up when it's time to speak up. Now, in James, the third chapter, in verse 1, he says, My brethren, be not many masters, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. For in many things we offend all, but if any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect or mature man, and he's able also to bridle the whole body. I love the NIV. It says, Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, And able to keep their whole body in check. Still another translation says, able to control ourselves in every other way. Your tongue is the steering wheel of your life. Especially when your tongue is hooked up with heaven and heaven's word. And you establish them on earth and return them to him by saying what he said about you. It'll be able to control and to direct the course of your life. Now, an automobile, for example, if you were going to try to get to Reading today, for example. uh, You'd have to take, I don't know what it is, but you'd have to go north. But if you were I-5 north, but if you were heading I-5 south, you'd be going the wrong way. And if you don't turn around, you're going to end up in L.A. instead of Reading, right? All right. Well, a lot of people in life are going down I-5 south when they should be going I-5 north. In other words, their life is going downward when God's will is for their life to go upward. What you've got to do is change what you're saying. And if you'll change what you're saying, you'll begin to change the direction of your life. You see, this context, James talks about horses and he talks about ships and he talks about our tongue. And he's saying, basically, all of them need to be controlled. You see, in America today, there's a great controversy over gun control. Well, I don't think so much we need to talk about gun control this morning, but I believe we need to talk about tongue control. Now, the tongue can no man tame, but God never asked you to tame your tongue on your own. That's why he's given you the helper who lives on the inside of you to help you to speak forth that which needs to be spoken forth and to help you hold your tongue when your tongue needs to be held. Of course, none of you ever, ever needed your tongue to be held. (laughs) Verse 3, Behold, we put bits in the horse's mouth that they may obey us, and we turn about their whole body. Behold also the ships which they be so great, and are driven of fierce winds, yet they are turned about with a very small helm, whithersoever the governor listeth. Even so the tongue is a little member, and boasteth great things. Behold how great a matter a little fireth kindle. Listen, all Christianity is vanity. 
unless you learn to control your mouth. You go out street witnessing, you can give, you can serve in the church. But James 1.26 says that if any one of you thinks to be religious and you do not bridle your tongue, you deceive your own heart and your religion is in vain. Is it important what we do with our tongue? It's so important what we say or don't say. Verse 6. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. And so is the tongue among our members, that it defiles the whole body and setteth on fire the course of nature and is set on fire of hell. Did you know that hell can inspire your tongue? Your flesh can inspire your tongue. And when your flesh and demonic forces take control of the way you think and the way you speak, it can turn your life into a raging fire. Have you ever seen a raging fire that is out of control? It seems like there is no stop to it. But just as hell can inspire your tongue, heaven can inspire your tongue. The Holy Spirit can inspire your tongue. In verse 7, every kind of beasts and birds and of serpents and of things in the sea is tamed and has been tamed of mankind. But the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. Read verse eight with, read verse 9 with me. Therewith bless we God, even the Father, and therewith bless we men, which are made after the similitude of God, out of the same mouth, Proceeds blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not so to be. Listen to me very carefully. Death and life are in the power of your tongue. The very words that you speak are containers. They can contain hatred or they can contain love. They can contain faith or they can contain fear. Your words can contain kindness or they can contain hatred. The words of your mouth contain either death or life. It is not the plan and will of God to one day be speaking blessing and healing and prosperity and the next day be speaking sickness, disease and poverty. It is not the will of God for one day for you to be kind and the next day to act like a demon. It is not the will of God for you one day to be up and the next day down. It is the will of God. It is the plan of God for you to choose life and to speak life and allow the life of God to permeate every fiber of your being, every area of the landscape of your life, all of your relationships, Everything and everywhere you go. So when you look out upon the landscape of your life, what do you see? You are a product of your words. Words will locate you. The problem with too many Christians is, is they do not value the significance of words. Oh, I've heard that blab it and grab it, you know, all that kind of talk. Listen, my brothers and sisters, it is an inevitable law of faith 
that you can have what you say based on what God's word has had to say about you. And whatever the Lord says, you can boldly say. Listen, coaches and teachers, parents and friends, your words can either hurt them or help them. Your words can encourage or discourage your kids. Your words can either put self-worth into someone's life or tear them down. Your influence, your words have the ability to speak life to someone. Our children deserve to grow up in a home of faith. Our children deserve to grow up in a home of love. Not in an atmosphere of fear. Not in an atmosphere of profanity. Not in an atmosphere of verbal abuse. So you say, well, I don't say bad words to my wife, but what have you got playing in your living room? What kind of a spirit is being transmitted to your children unbeknownst to you through the computer? What kind of a spirit is being transmitted to them through some of these violent programs on television? Oh, it's just a movie. It does no harm. You're wrong. It can do plenty of harm. Listen, moms and dads, you are the guardians of your children. You have been entrusted by the head of the church and by God himself to bring your babies up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. You should not be gendering them with fear-filled words. You should be gendering them with faith-filled, Bible, love-filled words. Words of encouragement. Words that when they leave the house, their shoulders will be straight back and say, you know what? The world may be nasty, but my God is good. And there ain't anything I can accomplish in God and through God to his glory. Never tell your children they're stupid or dumb. Come on. Our kids, they deserve to grow up in an atmosphere where the Bible's being read. Where prayer is being offered. You can add so much value to your kids. You can add so much value as a teacher to those kids in your classroom. As a coach, you can teach life lessons right there in the locker room. Coaches should not be cussing out teenagers for a bad performance. They should be encouraging them with life lessons that will help them every day of their life. My homework for you this week is for you to go out and speak blessing to somebody. You go out and speak words of grace over your neighborhood. Be a mom, be a dad, be a grandfather, be a grandmother that blesses your children and blesses society all around you. You see, the Bible says in Ephesians 4.29, it says, don't you let any corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. How many of you know that worry and fear and doubt and unbelief and complaining and whining and bellyaching are corrupt communications? That stuff is transferable to the people around you. And so he says, don't allow any corrupt or foul or polluting language ever to come out of your mouth. But only such speech as is good or beneficial 
to the spiritual progress of other people. You see, ask yourselves, when you're ready to say something out of your flesh, when you're ready to say something out of encouragement, ask yourself, what do these words contain? And how will they affect the person whom I really love? Are you here today? The words that we speak are so vital and they are so important. Did you know a recent study was done and they've discovered that three out of ten people that you meet during the course of a day or the course of a week, three out of ten are broken in heart. We live in a broken society. And in a broken society, there are people's hearts that have been broken. There are people that have been abused. There are people that have been slammed on and put down and beat up and beat down. But you, you've come into the kingdom for such a time as this. You have the words of life. You have the words of love. You have the word of His grace. You're full of light. You're full of life. You're full of love. And when you go into your world, be gracious. Be loving. Be nice. Brenda and I are going to the airport this afternoon. I've already purposed in my heart, I'm going to be nice. Because the people behind that counter, whether we realize it or not, can either help us or hurt us. It'll pay you rich dividends to call people sir and call people ma'am. You don't know what kind of hell that waiter or waitress has been through. You don't know what they're facing. But one word from heaven, one smile with the glory of God, one gracious word out of your heart can change their whole day. Stop thinking how bad your life is and get happy about how good God is. And just let us let his goodness flow through you like a mighty river. Out of your mouth shall flow rivers of living life, living water, living encouragement. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, I don't want to be a fool. How about you? The Bible says that words from the mouth of the wise, they are gracious. My prayer sometimes is, oh God, forgive me and set a guard over my big fat mouth. You ever prayed that? If you haven't, maybe start today. Say it with me, oh Lord. Lord. Keep watch watch. over the door of my lips. You know how that, that too much talk can lead to sin? I believe a wise and sensible person will know when to talk and when to hush up. You see, the heart of a godly man or woman will think carefully before that they speak. And when we have real knowledge of God and we are in real fellowship with Him, we will spare our words. Don't let the devil pressure you into saying something you shouldn't say. Sometimes you just need to walk away and hush up. You ever been in a heated situation? There's something about my... See, I'm a lefty. I'm a southpaw. There's something about my left hand that wants to... Boom! Uh. 
remember one time driving down Castro Valley Boulevard with my son James. This guy robbed my parking place and he gave me the sign. You know what the sign is? And I could feel it, man. I mean, I mean, Tabasco sauce was coming from my feet all the way up. And he kept giving me that sign and it wasn't the sign of the cross. Thank God for other tongues. You see, the love of Christ will constrain you. It'll keep you from doing what you know your flesh wants to do. Well, I'm going to give them a piece of my mind. Hold it. Hold it. You need every piece of your mind you can keep. Sometimes you just got to keep driving. Road rage is of the devil. Don't be, such in, don't be in such a hurry. The older I get, the slower I drive. You know? Well, you have to be there by 9 o'clock. Well, all right, leave early. You know what I'm saying? You're, listen, your flesh is crazy. It's nuts. My flesh is crazy. But we are not flesh beings. And we are not to be dominated by our flesh. We are spiritual beings created in the image and likeness of God with the ability to control our tongue, thereby controlling our whole life. Well, I just can't stop eating. I just get bigger and bigger and bigger every day. Welcome to the land of Rotunda. Why not say this? I don't desire to eat so much that I become overweight. But I present my body to God as a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto Him, which is my reasonable service. Everyone say there are times we need to hush up. And there are other times where we need to speak up. Turn with me quickly over to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 13. Do you really realize who you are in Christ? If you really realize who you're in Christ, your words will validate that. Your words accomplish awesome things. Now, I am a man of faith. And I'm growing in faith, as all of us are and should be, right? The Bible says our faith grows exceedingly, all right? But I have discovered this in my life, that there's a vast difference between knowing the principles of faith, and you need to know the principles of faith, and having the spirit of faith. There's a difference between knowing about the Holy Spirit And being filled with the Holy Spirit. I want you to notice this in 2 Corinthians 4.13. And let's work with this just for a few moments today. 2 Corinthians 4.13. Would you read it with me? And since we have the same spirit of faith. I believed and therefore have I spoken. We also believe and therefore speak. I just want you to keep that up here just for a moment. I want you to notice the phrase, 
the same spirit of faith. There is a difference between knowing about faith and having the spirit of faith. The same spirit of faith that David has, you have. The same spirit of faith that the children of Israel had walking around Jericho is the same spirit of faith that you have. The same spirit of faith that the patriarchs in Hebrews chapter 11 had, you have. It is a spirit of faith. It is something that you catch. It is something on the inside of you that you become so fully persuaded by a rhema word that you believe it and you speak it and you will not be denied. It's the spirit of faith. Just like there's a spirit of fear. Some people have a spirit of fear. I mean, it's all over them. But then there's others that have the spirit of faith. And there's such a calm assurance and a calm confidence about them. They might get a bad report from a doctor, but they know what the good report says. They might see that the economy is going down and that this is going down, but they have the good report that God is still on the throne and He liberally supplies their need. My prayer for my life and for your life is that the same spirit of faith would grow in our lives. Oh, who are you, oh great mountain before us? you got to be removed. That's the spirit of faith. Say it with me. I have, according to the word of God, I have the spirit of faith. Oh, thank you, Lord. You know what the spirit of faith says? By God's grace... We can do this. I can remember when Keith Hirsch and I found out about this building being for sale. We were on the golf course acting like we had good sense over at Half Moon Bay. And I'm about a 55 handicap. Not a very good golfer. But we got the call that there was a piece of property for sale in Hayward. And we went next door to the Elks Club and we kind of bellied up to the bar. We didn't have a beer. We had a cola and we talked to him about, what about this building over there? And then we got on the parking lot and we looked around. And on the inside of us, we're thinking, yeah, this could happen. This is possible. Down through the course of time and the course of months, obstacles came our way. But you know what? The spirit of faith cannot be denied. And look at it's not faith in us, and it's not faith in our faith, but it's confidence in the same God that raised Jesus from the dead. If God can raise Jesus from the dead, He can give us some property to own. If God can raise Jesus from the dead, He can heal that cancer. If God, oh glory to God, if God can raise Jesus from the dead, your loved ones can come into the kingdom of God. But you've got to give Him something to work with. Say with me, the spirit of faith faith. is on the inside of me. me. And you know something? The devil's afraid of that. He's afraid of it. In Ecclesiastes, the Bible says that where the word of a king is, there's power. Somebody says, well, that's great, Pastor, but that's talking about kings. Well, you're a king in God's eyes. 
Through the blood of Jesus, He has made us kings and priests unto God our Father. And I'm going to quote it to you for the sake of time, but I want you to listen very carefully. In Romans 5, 17, it says, For by one man's offense, death reigned by one. Much more those who receive the abundance of grace and of the gift of what? The gift of righteousness. The Amplified says, They shall reign as kings in life by one Jesus Christ. The devil is afraid of you finding out about the authority that you have in your heart and in your mouth. He would rather you just keep your mouth shut. And that's why he applies so much pressure on our lives from time to time. Because he wants to shut us down. Because he knows that if we'll rise up with the same spirit of faith and believe and speak, it is like a weapon, like a sword coming against him. And he's well, well acquainted with the sword of the spirit. Jesus used it on him. And he's well acquainted with resurrection power. Jesus exercised it. Your mouth aligned with his word is a weapon where Satan is concerned. And you are a king's kid designed to rule as a king, not in the hereafter, but in this life. And where the word of a king is, there's great power released. Now listen, this is not a long message, but this is a good one. And this is a message you want to think about and meditate on. Because in these last few moments, I'm going to exhort you I'm going to encourage you to rise up as a king and make some quality decisions and begin to decree and to declare this is how it's going to be and no way else. All right? In Job 22, look at verse 28 in the Amplified Version. Job 22, verse 28. Notice this verse with me. This is great. It says, You shall also decide... And you will decree a thing. There needs to be a decision of your will to speak God's word. Not only must you decide and choose life rather than death, but then there needs to be a decree or a declaration made. Now, how many of you made Jesus the Lord and Savior of your life? What you did is you believed and you spoke That Jesus Christ is Lord. You decided to follow Jesus. And then you hooked in with your declaration of his lordship over your life. And you know what it did? It changed your eternal destination. Meaning, guess what? You ain't going to end up in hell. You're going to end up in heaven. Now, he said, you'll decide and decree a thing. If this works for salvation, don't you know it'll work for healing? If this works for healing, don't you know it'll work for prosperity? Let's bring it a little closer to home. If this works for salvation and healing and prosperity, don't you suppose God will see to it that if you make a quality decision and start making some declarations, that you can go from unemployment to employment? That your kids can go from the crack house to the king's house? Come on. I know I'm preaching real good right now. 
that your wayward son and your wayward daughter, those that have gotten far from God, don't you know that if you make a decision and you make a declaration, I believe in God, my household will be saved. Devil, you take your hands off of them. And you break the power of Satan over their lives. Don't you know that at the greatest event that ever happened in the whole world and universe, in God raising Jesus from the dead, don't you know that he's not only able, but he's willing to see your babies come from afar? Don't you know he's able to get you a better job? You see, what's happened in our lives is we've put up with the status quo for too stinking long. And the devil's the author of the status quo. His will and his plan is to keep you down. But the Bible says God raised us up. And he made us sit together in heavenly places. And it's far above all the devil's power. Can I have a drink? I'll drink to that. Now notice. You'll decide and decree. And it will be established for you. And not only that, but the light of God's favor will shine upon your ways. Now, here's what I've discovered in my life. That God has eyes. And there's nothing naked to Him. There's nothing nothing naked before the eyes of Him. We have to do. His eyes are scanning throughout this whole auditorium. He's omniscient. He knows all. He sees all. But still his eyes are looking for a man or a woman whose heart is perfect toward him. And a perfect heart is a mature heart that's filled with the Word of God. And so the Bible says he wants to show himself strong on the behalf of those whose heart is perfect toward him. Everyone say, look no further. I'm right here, Jesus. Now, and the reason why is because our father is the father of grand performances. Turn me to Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 12. I'll show you what I mean. See, he's watching over all the activity of the earth, over all the activity of our lives, and he's looking for people and places where he can show up and put on a grand performance. Jeremiah 1.12 in the Amplified says, Then said the Lord to me, You have seen well, for I am alert and I am active. Aren't you glad he's not asleep? Aren't you glad that he's not passive? But he is paying attention. He said, you have seen well, I'm alert and active. Now notice, I'm watching over my word to put on a grand performance. Is he able to perform his word? It's true that he is no respecter of persons. He took me from the mud. He took me out of the pit and lifted me up. He can take your life out of the dunghill and put you before kings and priests. He can do it. 
But we need to then give voice to his word upon the earth so we, he can perform it. Listen very carefully. His word is voice activated. You've got to hook this up with here. And what is in here will determine what comes out of here. It's out of the abundance of the heart that the mouth leaketh or the mouth speaketh. And so it's very, very important what we allow into our eyes, into our ears. What we entertain with our thought life. Because whether you realize it or not, that out of your heart, your mouth is going to speak. And so if you want God to perform His Word on your behalf, you need to activate it with the voice of faith. How many have little cell phones? Show me your cell phones. I want to see how many cell phones we've got. Okay, you got your cell phone? Oh, I see the light. I hope you got the silencer on. (laughs) Cell phones. Now... How many of you know that there's probably a million and one apps on cell phones? Aren't there? I mean, you can get an app to to test your stress level. I did my stress level test the other day and it says you are at an extremely, extremely state of relaxation. But now, if you want to leave here today and you want to get a cup of coffee or something, you like to go to Starbucks. Well, a lot of these apps are voice activated. And you speak into it and you say, Starbucks, nearest Starbucks. Boom, 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 boom. All of a sudden your voice activates the app. It'll show you the Starbucks down on Winton. It'll show you the Starbucks over on Jackson. It'll show you the Starbucks over here, over there, and over here. And you just go to the one you want. Well, you see, God stands in heaven and he's waiting for a man or for a woman to return his word to him with believing faith and to declare and to say what he said and that activates your father to go to work on your behalf and I will tell you he will do whatever needs to be done to see that there's a grand performance of his life in your life Do you get anything out of this today? Now, here's what I've learned. Here's what I've learned. That there are some times (laughs) where my decree at pump needs to be pumped up. Because sometimes, I mean, life can just boom, boom, boom. Designed to shut you up. But how many of you today would like your pump primed? Let's all stand to our feet and let's do that this morning. Say this with me with a hand toward heaven. Say, I decree and declare, decree and declare that, Jesus that Jesus is the Lord of my life and that I live to please the Lord and to know Jesus more intimately. I decree this day, Jesus is my Redeemer. He has redeemed me from sin unto eternal life, from sickness to health and healing. From poverty and lack to abundance and blessing, I make this decision and I declare it boldly this morning that the favor of God 
surrounds me like a shield. Say it strong. I have favor with God and man. I decree I'm filled with peace. I'm accepted in the beloved that God loves me. He has made me right in his sight and I have no guilt or shame or inferiority. I declare and decree this week I can do all things through Jesus Christ because he strengthens me. I declare today the joy of the Lord is my strength. I'm happy. I'm full of joy. And I'm full of laughter. I've got the mind of Christ. I set my love upon you today. And I declare that with long life that you satisfy me. Here's the last one. Let's say it strong. I decree. I declare. Greater is he that is in me. Come on. Then he that is in the world. Somebody shout amen. Glory to God. <laughs> Woo, glory. Your assignment, which is not impossible, should you choose to do so this week, is to go out and be nice to somebody. Speak life-filled words. And then with a, get that spirit of faith stirred up this week. Whatever the devil's been telling you, the exact opposite is true.